We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim! What is up? Welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. Tanking? Who needs tanking? The Thunder go into Utah on the second night of a back-to-back and kind of blow the doors off the Jazz, 104-90, to and it was never really that close. Once again, welcome into the post-game podcast for the uncontested. I'm your host tonight, Jacob Make sure that you subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts at. We're on pretty much every platform. Check us out on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And tonight, we are brought to you by Roman. We'll talk talk about them a little bit later. And by the Blue Wire Podcast Network, a great podcast network with tons of NBA podcasts. So make sure you check them out. Let's talk about this game. Holy crap. The Thunder... Beat the dog crap out of Utah, 104-90. to I just want to run through some stats really quick. So whenever I have post-game duties, I typically tweet out after each quarter kind of the stats of of different Thunder performers. Tonight, the Thunder get really help from all over the board. Dennis Schroeder, 27 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 20 points. Six rebounds, three assists, two steals. Chris Paul, 16 points, four rebounds, seven assists, three steals. Steven Adams, 11 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, four blocks. And then our guy, the Lou Gentz legend, the Haitian sensation, 
the Lou Tang Clan. Lou Dort, nine points, two rebounds, and some lockdown defense for his second night in a row. We're going to break all of it down here for you guys. I want to start off talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander, though. He is kind of the the face of the new era Thunder, the young guy who has such high potential that is going to be a staple for this team moving forward for a long, long time. And Shea had a good night. Now, shooting-wise, 7 of 2 from the field, that's not great. 2 of 5 from 3, that's acceptable, that's 40%. 4 of 6 from the free throw line, you'll live with it, you'll take it. The 6 rebounds, encouraging. The 3 assists are nice. The 2 steals, also nice. The 20 points is good, although it's on 20 shots. But what I noticed from Shea tonight and maybe it was with the absence of two starters with Terrence Ferguson and with Danilo Gallinari. Shea just looked aggressive. Right from the get-go on offense, Shea was just incredibly aggressive looking for his shot. And he started off really hot. He started off making buckets. He was he was super efficient early. Missed shots down at the end of the first quarter. He p- took two pull-up threes, missed them both. In the second half, he got to the rim quite a bit, missed a reverse layup, missed a couple of floaters. And here's the thing. A lot of people look at basketball as you played good if the ball went in the hoop, you played bad if the ball didn't go in the hoop. And sometimes it's not that binary. It's not that simple. I thought Shea played a great game, and I am very encouraged by the aggressiveness that Shea played with, by the defense Shea played, by the types of shots he was getting, I'm way more encouraged by the aggressiveness and the type of shots than I am discouraged that the shots won't go in. Those floaters are going to drop. Those layups, he had a fast break where he shot like a righty scoop. Kind of thought he got fouled by Donovan Mitchell. Didn't get the whistle. The scoop shot didn't fall. Those types of shots, the reverse layup that he missed, those will fall. Right? And, And if Shea hits just those three... One of those floaters, that fast break layup, and that pretty reverse he had in the fourth quarter. If those three fall, then we're talking about a 10 of 20 night, which is pretty efficient, 50% from the field, a 10 of 20 night for 26 points. And an incredible performance, right? I'm not discouraged by the, the missed shots by Shea. I instead am very, very encouraged by his aggressiveness, his style of play. He looked good tonight. He looked really, really good tonight. Speaking of guys that looked good tonight, man, Steven Adams has just, he's been phenomenal. He's been so impressive. You want to talk about aggressiveness? Adams started this game. He looked at Gobert and he said, shot blocker, I'm coming straight at you. I'm putting my shoulder down. I'm driving at you and I'm getting a layup or a dunk every time. I mentioned it earlier, but Adams ends with 11 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, Four blocks. Now, I don't have stats in front of me uh, as far as Steven Adams' career stats. Actually, while I talk, I'll try to look this up. Four blocks might be his career high in blocks. That is that is impressive. At the beginning of the season, we all were worried about Steven. He was not playing well. He didn't look good. Uh, he was struggling. Career high five blocks. Back in his rookie season, he had a five-block game. Um, so there you have it. So four blocks was was right below his his career high. He we we talked about how bad he looked early on, and it seems to me more and more now that there were some lingering health issues. 
because he wasn't finishing, he wasn't jumping, he wasn't moving. This dude looks spry right now. The way he moves, the way he gets off the floor. I know you guys saw this. He had that move where he went down low on Gobert and jumped up and hit Gobert with an up and under going to the opposite side of the rim with his left hand. Like something that you expect to see from Schroeder or from Shea that Steven Adams is busting out. He had two just incredible blocks. One on Ed Davis where he just got up and pinned it on the glass. And then another on a Royce O'Neal baseline drive. Adams rotated from about the free throw line, came down, got up, and blocked Royce at the peak of his jump. Just really, really impressive stuff. And maybe most impressively is the free throw shooting. Adams, so tonight free throws three of four from from the stripe. In the past, I think, five or six games, he's shooting over 75% from the free throw line. This is the Adams we all thought we were getting coming out of preseason into the start of the regular season. This is the kind of Adams that is incredibly valuable. I don't think it's a coincidence that the past five games, Adams has looked incredible, and the Thunder are 4-1 and one in those games. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. He's been playing his ass off, and he's looked really, really good, and he's doing it in low-minute totals. He keeps getting below 30 minutes a game as they're rotating him and Noel back and forth, and it's working. It's keeping Adams fresh. It's getting Noel some burn. Noel's played good all season. Uh, Adams is now getting healthy. He's been impressive. He's been really, really impressive. And Thunder fans, I think, should be really excited about what they're seeing from Steven Adams because I think what we saw at the beginning of the season wasn't who Adams really is. I think who Adams really is is what we're seeing right now. And that's really, really encouraging. So I'm really excited about that. So encouraging, in fact, that it uh, it might lead to uh, you not even needing to buy this next product from Roman. So talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off and blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. We're trying to avoid it altogether with excuses like, had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, just not feeling it. Uh, Lou Dortz got me uh, got me too excited. Can't do it tonight. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication in simple, safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Again, just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. One more time, GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. All right. You know who we got to talk about. You know we got to jump into it. No way we can't. The Lou Tang Clan, Haitian sensation, Lou Dort. Tonight, December 9th, 2019, is the night that this city fell in love with their second Canadian. Their first one was Shea. 
Their second one is Lou. Man, what a game. Lou played 29 minutes. That's more than Nader. That's more than Baisley. That's more than Adams. That's more than Muscala. That's more than Noel. That's almost as much as Chris Paul. Lou came in, and just like he did in Portland last night, played a hell of a defensive game. Man, this kid is on a two-way contract. He just got called up to play with the big team because there's some injury issues. Ferg's out. Diallo's out. Tonight, Gallo was out. So he gets called up. He gets a ton of burn in Portland. They sub him in. Hey, welcome to your first NBA minutes. Go guard CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard. Then tonight, on the second night of a back-to-back, his second full NBA game, they say, hey, go in there and check Donovan Mitchell. And you know what? He did. And he did a damn good job at it. If If you're a frequent listener to our podcast, you know that I've been covering the OKC Blue. I've been out there games. So I've seen Lou up close multiple times. And I'm telling you guys, he's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got the speed to be a legitimate NBA defender. And I think you're seeing that on an NBA level right now. The worry is his offensive game, right? I think he's 0 of 6 now from 3. Tonight, he went 3 of 6 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3 tonight. But 3 of 3 from the free throw line, he had a nice dunk. Four personal fouls. He's a foul machine right now because that's what rookies tend to do. But man, defensively, he looks good. If he can start getting some semblance of an offensive game, uh, either cutting or develop that shot a little bit, I think he's got a decent stroke. It's it's better than what Hamadou Diallo's is. Uh, I see Lou very much in a Hamadou Diallo style. And, and stylistically, he plays a lot like him, except maybe he's he's thicker and better defensively, maybe already. But man, he's fun to watch. I know everybody's hyped on him. I'm hyped on him. But just a fair warning from someone who's watched a lot of basketball, don't like try to stay in the middle. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Right, because this is what we tend to do. A, a rookie comes in, has a breakout game. We get all high on him, and then they come back down to earth. Lou's going to come back down to earth, right? He's going to do it. He's a 20-year-old undrafted rookie on a two-way contract. Every game's not going to be like this, but on games like tonight, it shows you the potential. Now, how long will it take him to fully realize that potential? Who knows? Two years, three years? It's going to be a while, Right? What's his ceiling? People are already like blowing his ceiling out of proportion. You know, if he ends up being a rotation player in the NBA, you've already well beaten the odds with an undrafted rookie. So enjoy Dort for what you're getting from him now, but understand it's going to be ups and downs. Just like any rookie, it's going to be ups and downs. But huge night from Dort. A lot of fun to watch him play. Two more things before we get out of here. The first one is I want to talk about this Shams Charania report that came out in The Athletic today. If you haven't seen this yet, this morning on Monday, today's Monday, yeah, Monday, bad case of the Mondays, man, December 9th, Shams dropped a report on The Athletic where he listed uh, a few teams and some notes he's got on them, like Kevin Love wants to be traded to a contender. He's ready to be out of Cleveland. He wrote a lot about the Thunder, which typically doesn't happen in these types of Shams reports. He, he does these reports every now and then, and typically you don't get anything from the Thunder because the Thunder are a very tight-lipped organization. 
But in his report, he had about two paragraphs on the Thunder today talking about the Thunder in the trade market and how rival executives have told Shams that the Thunder are more than willing to take on other teams' quote-unquote bad contracts, their long-term contracts, um, whenever the Thunder trade guys like he mentioned Gallo, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, and Steven Adams, right? Which are all names that, that we're all familiar with in the trade talk, right? That's, that's all we've heard in the trade talk are, are those big names, right? And I think for a lot of people, we've thought that the Thunder would be willing to trade those guys in order to get salaries that expire this summer and the, and the Thunder could get off money moving forward. But Shams is reporting that rival executives have been telling him that the Thunder are more than willing to take on other teams' long contracts, bad contracts that they don't want, maybe contracts that uh, that they thought looked good in hindsight now they're not super happy with them and they want to get off those three-year deals. For some people, this was surprising. I don't think this is very surprising because this is the way Sam Presti operated the last time he was building this roster 10 years ago. The idea here is if you trade Gallo for an expiring deal or if you trade Schroeder, who has two years left on his contract, in return for a guy whose contract expires in July, the Thunder financially are getting the better end of that deal, right? Because they don't have to pay that contract for a second year. They, they get off money earlier. So the Thunder are coming out ahead in that aspect. So if they're going to get an asset back in that trade with Schroeder, a young player or a pick, that asset's not going to be as good because the Thunder are already getting the better end of the trade in the financial department. So by doing this, the Thunder are willing to take on bad contracts, but they're going to require a better asset in that deal. So maybe the Thunder trade Schroeder, who's making who who has two years left on his deal, making like fifteen and a half this year, fifteen and a half next year, for a guy who has three years left on his deal, right? So now the Thunder have more long term money on the books, but the Thunder require a first round pick in that as well. The Thunder are saying, "Hey, we're giving you a good player in Schroeder, and we're helping you out by taking on a contract that you don't want. We're doing two things for you. You have to compensate us better." with a better asset. Instead of giving us a second round pick for Schroeder, give us a first. Or let's say they trade Danilo Gallinari, whose contract expires this July, in return for a player that has two years or three years left on his deal. The Thunder could say, we're trading you a really, really good player. You are going to get financial relief after this contract expires in July. We're taking on your bad contract that runs for three more years that you don't want, you're getting the better end of every part of this trade. Good player, financial relief, and getting off a bad contract. So the Thunder could say, we need two first-round picks to make this deal happen. See, the idea here is the Thunder essentially renting out their cap space or renting out, um, taking players, bad players off other teams' hands in order to sweeten the pot. Right? I'll take something bad, but you have to give me something good along along with it. And that's how the Thunder have operated in the past. And this only makes sense. Also, it makes even more sense when you think of it from the aspect that back on July 1, the Thunder, the front office, the ownership group, they were expecting to pay a very heavy tax bill this year. 
They were ready for it with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. They knew they were going in the tax. Now things have changed, and this team is not a, a, a team that you should pay the tax for. But they have already budgeted their books to pay the tax this year. So if they've already done that and the right deal comes along where they can absorb a bad contract, still pay the tax, but cash in and get a really good asset, it just makes sense, right? So this report isn't surprising. Also, I know after tonight's game, winning four out of the last five, being in the seventh spot in the playoffs right now, Thunder fans are really high, and rightfully so. This team is fun. They're damn good. They scrap. They play hard. They play as a team. It's fun to watch. But understand, making the playoffs isn't the goal here, right? And I know people are going to say, oh, you tankings for losers. Uh, Only losers want to lose games, blah, blah, blah. It's not the goal, right? I understand the Thunder have a massive amount of draft capital. I understand they have tons of picks. But those Clippers picks, those Miami picks, those Houston picks, the Thunder cannot control where those picks land. Those teams control where those picks land because those picks land depending on where those teams end up uh, at the end of the season as far as their record. The Thunder can't control how good the Clippers are or how good Houston is or how good Miami is. However, the Thunder can control how good they are. And the worse you are, the better pick you get. So the Thunder are going to end up tanking. They're at, and don't misconstrue this. Tanking isn't players intentionally losing games on purpose. Tanking is ripping a roster down to young players and typically vets that aren't very good. Those players competing and wanting to win, but just not being good enough to do so. If you take Gallo off this team and Schroeder off this team... It's not a very good team. They're still decent, but they're not great. If you then take Chris Paul off the team, it's a bad team. And that's okay. They're going to play hard. They're going to try to win. The players aren't going to intentionally throw games. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trading away players that aren't in your long-term future, playing a lot of young guys and a lot of semi-okay vets letting those young guys get experience, letting them play hard. But at the end of the day, they're probably not going to win a lot of games. And by them not winning a lot of games, you are getting a better draft pick to get a higher quality rookie in who's got a better long-term outlook to become an all-star and an all-NBA player. That is the idea of tanking. The Thunder are going to do it, right? And and just because we're high on this team now doesn't mean that that's not what they're going to do. Presti is not going to look at this team and say, oh, they won four of the last five. I need to go make moves and and try to get this team a little more help and let them make a playoff push. That's not the goal. The goal isn't mediocrity, right? Because honestly, that's what this team's had the past three years. First round exits in three straight years, that's mediocrity. They don't want that. They want contention. And you become a contender by getting very high-quality, all-NBA-type players. And you get those all-NBA-type players, you get them and you get them to stay in Oklahoma City for a long long time by drafting them. And that's just the process. That's how it's going to go. Before we get out of here, got a handful of Twitter questions I want to jump in. I actually haven't scrolled through all of these, so so we're going to go through these uh, together here. 
First one, just scrolling down the timeline from Extreme Thunder fans at Extreme Thunder F. Why is this team working out better than the last three to four seasons? Was Westbrook really dragging down the Thunder? I don't think Westbrook was dragging down the Thunder. I think the Thunder now have more depth. Uh, I think they are playing a better brand of basketball now. Here's something a lot of people don't want to hear because they only want to say it when the team loses, that, oh, blame the coach. You want to talk about maybe why this team won four of the last five? Because they're buying into Billy Donovan's schemes. Right? He's a pretty decent coach. Um, <laughs> Stephen McCleskey, who's at Band Director OK, is asking the same question that our own Kamiar at Kamarabi and CCM is asking, which is, why did Kamiar's wife leave him? Well, Kamiar would have to be married to have a wife. So, uh, so that's not going well. Just kidding, Kamiar. I love you. He's going to get married next summer, and I'm really excited for him. Uh, more Twitter questions. Here we go. From Ben Ellard. He's at HoneyBadger5719. Why blow this roster up? I get needing slash wanting to trade Gallo, but that's it, really. Fans, players, and the franchise like to win, even if it means giving up a couple of draft positions. Doesn't OKC have enough draft assets already? Well, Ben, I kind of just went on a rant about that. They like to win, and because they like to win, in the short term, they need to lose. You can keep these guys, yes, and you might make a push for the playoffs and then get bounced in the first round. And that's the same thing that's happened the past three years. And that's not going to get you anywhere. And Gallo's old, and Chris Paul's old, and Schroeder is only under contract for another year. If you want another long, sustaining run, you have to trade away these guys that aren't in your long-term future and bring back more draft assets. By also doing that, your team is not going to be as good. You're probably going to lose games. And that's going to make your draft picks better, right? I, I I went into it just a second ago, so you guys can go back and listen to that. Um, from at, uh, how do you say this? Zayoflick, Z-A-O-I-F-L-I-C. He said, I tried to sneak this question in last time, but do you think it's worth piling on the wins prior to the trade deadline to up the value of our trade assets? That's a great question, right? So, should we pile up the wins and make these players look good? I think these players are who they are, and I think the rest of the league kind of knows who they are, right? For guys like Gallo and Chris Paul, what they were last year is kind of just what they're going to be this year. At, at this point in their careers, they're not really getting much better. It's just fine polishing, fine tuning some things. Uh, for Schroeder, he's looked, he's looked decent lately. He's looked good, especially tonight. And so for him playing good, yes, that helps. But for those other guys, you know, I don't know if winning and them putting up big numbers really changes the trade value a whole lot because they're 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 kind of they just are who they are. And scouts across the league know that. Uh, from at John Edwin seven fifty five, as much as I like the wins, do you think we still have a chance? to end up with a top five pick in the lottery when we trade Gallo, Schroeder, etc.? Another great question. I don't know if they can get top five. They would really, really have to bottom out, and I just don't know if they can bottom out that hard to end up with their own pick getting in the top five, John. Now, 
Could they bottom out and end up getting pick number eight and then trading pick number eight and a future pick to get up to pick number five? I think that's possible, right? I think Presti will look to trade some of these draft picks, but not for a player. I think he will trade draft picks to move up in the draft to get in that top five if he's got someone he's specifically targeting. From at CMF official, are we going to make the finals? I like it. No, seriously, why is it so difficult for us to tank? Looks like we are never able to meet our expectations. This year, we were supposed to start tanking. Um, this year's a transition period, right? It, it's hard to tank when you guys have guys like Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder on your team because those guys are good, right? And, and they're not going to lose on purpose. Nobody's asking any player to specifically try to throw games, like I mentioned earlier. So... This is a transition period. This team starts to tank whenever their players just aren't good enough to win NBA games. And that happens when they trade some of those vets. So the the tank is coming. Don't worry about that. Um, Looking here for any more. uh, Friend of the pod, Thunderbeard. He's at SmellyFartbox88. It's a solid Twitter handle. So are the Thunder good now? Kind of look like it. This This is a good team. Right, they're not great. They're, they're 7, 8, 9, 10 in the West as currently constructed. And, uh, and and I think that will get worse moving forward because they are going to trade some of these guys. So just be prepared for that, folks. Um, last one, and I love this question. Uh, sorry, bro, you have way too many hashtags in your Twitter name. So I'm just going to read your at, which is at Hunter Harjo 7 He says... Any confirmation that the man dressed as Buddy the Elf by the Thunder Bench will be added to the Thunder coaching staff? I didn't notice that guy until like the third quarter, and I laughed my ass off. It was pretty funny. It was pretty good. Um, I think a lot of Thunder fans are probably going to listen to this podcast and say, hoo, 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 he'd be better than Billy Donovan. I'm here to tell you Billy Donovan's been pretty good, so... Uh. But no, they should add Buddy the Elf uh, as a special uh, Christmas time coach. That would be fun. So we'll end there. That's all the Twitter questions that I see through here. I'm scrolling back through. I think that's all we got. So let's pump some of this outro music. Get you guys out of here. Oh, it's a little loud. Thanks again so much for tuning into our podcast, man. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you guys. Those of you who are loyal listeners who have stuck with us, you guys kick ass. Those of you who are just checking us out for the first time because you were stoked about that Utah win, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Really, I can't tell you how much it means to me. We work really hard to produce this thing for you guys, so thank you so much for checking it out. Please, wherever you download your podcast, go and subscribe to us. We record a podcast after every single Oklahoma City Thunder basketball game. And we have a weekly podcast that drops every Monday morning. Subscribe so those just download to your phone or your listening device all the time. You don't have to go search for us. Also, if you want to drop a five-star rating, that would mean a ton to me. Uh, We're really close to having a a five-star average. I think we're at like 4.43 or something like that. So we're really close to that five-star average. And we're over 100. Ooh, my music stopped. Let's, Let's bump it back. So please, please do that. Appreciate you guys so much. You guys kick ass. Have a great week. We will be back with you Wednesday night after the Thunder take on the Sacramento Kings, who 
beat the Houston Rockets tonight on a buzzer beater. So that was fun. We'll be back with you Wednesday night. You guys have a great Tuesday. Have a great Wednesday. And as always, thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.